politics after dark. No filter. No politically correct talk. The battlefield of ideals. Late night Wednesday on Liberty Radio Texas and your favorite podcast servers. Now, let the battle begin with your hosts, Jeff, Stephen, and Josh, and their guests this week on Politics After Dark. Hey guys, welcome to Politics After Dark again this week. Uh, Josh has brought us another fabulous guest. He's got to be fabulous because he has an awesome first name. Uh, who did you bring with us <laughs> this week, Josh? I brought us Jeff Cruer, host of WGSOAM New Orleans, Ringside Politics, author of America's Last Chance, and he's also a columnist for townhall.com, and he is kind of the the big wig, creme de la creme dean of Louisiana politics, from my experience. I don't know if uh, if he would disagree, but you know, well, that's, yeah. that's uh, he Jeff does, Cruer he, from New Orleans. Yeah, he does have an awesome. <laughs> he does have an awesome first name, and he's from our home state. We just can't get any better than this. <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys. Thank you guys. I'll, I'll accept all that praise, and uh, I'll try to live up to it. Believe me, but. Hey, Louisiana politics is just a lot of fun to cover, and uh, I've been doing it now for a long time, and uh, it's like no other state. I mean, we have we have colorful politicians, uh, corrupt politicians. We've got uh, crazy politicians. We've got it all. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I kind of got discouraged eventually after working too many Louisiana races. I, I came back to Texas where my daddy's family's from to to kind of fight the fight over here because I just felt like, man, Louisiana's never going to get rid of the state income tax, and they just like their politicians, you know, kind of milk toast in middle of the road, and they love the they love their government subsidies like Mississippi. So, you know, it's it's a little discouraging whenever you're a conservative or a libertarian leading Republican. So, what do you think about that, Jeff? You know, I, Texas is awesome. I mean, I I love Texas, and I love the fact you don't have an income tax, but the food's better over here. Uh, we have more fun over here. And uh, certainly we've got uh, a lot of attractions. I mean, who can who can top New Orleans? I mean, we've got all kinds of great things over here. But you're, you're right about our big government. We've got a history of Huey Long style, big government where people, poor people depend on the government. We had a big charity hospital system for decades. We've got a lot of state employees that are still on the payroll, but we are making some changes. I mean, we've, we've now moved out uh, most of the Democrats. We've got, we've still got this, this liberal Democrat governor because of the odd last election that we had, but every other statewide uh, elected official is Republican and our, our two senators are Republican. All of our congressional delegation is Republican. So we're, we're definitely a red state, uh, but we still have those vestiges of that old Huey uh, Long politics that still keep us back. Well, I would say one of your senators is Republican, but that's just me. I'm a little biased. So, 
That's just my thought on the issue. Um, and I would what, say I would say the uh, same what, thing about I would say the same thing about Texas. You got one good one and one not so good one. <laughs> He's right. He's right about the food too, Josh. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, so yeah. what are we going to talk about today, Josh? Why don't you tell us? Uh, why don't you go ahead and lead us this week? Well, uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about your latest town hall article and uh, what you think about what's going on uh, in politics today with with that, and then maybe your last one with with the JFK you know, stuff. Uh, guys, uh, yeah, we could start with Hillary. You know, um, I think uh, there's a chance that Hillary might actually get. Uh, uh, cornered. I mean, she's been able to stay ahead of all these investigations for all of her career. I mean, Hillary has had a charmed life in that she's walked on the corrupt side for all these years and, and never had to pay the price. Uh, but now I think um, there's a chance that uh, we could maybe see Hillary finally having to pay for some of these, what I consider crimes. Uh, I consider what you did with the emails to be a crime. I, I wonder about this whole dossier. I wonder about the Uranium One, about the foundation, about Bill Clinton's big speech where he got paid 500000 I mean, she just reeks of corruption to me. And I think James Comey was covering for her. And I think she got incredibly preferential treatment that I don't think any of us would have gotten. So there's a chance, I think, that, that maybe with these new revelations about Uranium One and about the dossier, that maybe uh, the heat has been turned up a little bit on Hillary. So I'm curious to see what happens uh, as far as Jeff Sessions. I want to see if he's going to appoint a special prosecutor to look into all of this. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting if something actually stuck. She's kind of the dapper don of, of politics, and, and she epitomizes the Washington establishment. But, uh, you know, I worked for Stop Hillary Pack before the election and leading up to, and you know, we did FOIA requests. Us and Judicial Watch, I think, did more than anyone, except for those bloviating blowhards that like to be seen and, and heard on Capitol Hill. There's really no teeth in any of these these investigations by committees. And, and I've worked on Capitol Hill. It's, it's basically CNBC. And these guys don't want to lock up anybody. They don't want to lock up their own. There's, there's kind of a an unwritten rule that you don't, you don't, you know, unless you just really get caught on camera like Bill Jefferson or, or some of these other guys, you know, and Bill, you know, it was really stupid of him to get caught like that, but I don't, I don't really want to disparage him. He's a really nice guy, but man, he really got busted and, and these, these typical New Orleans politicians, but, uh, you know, in DC, they, they, they don't eat their own sadly. And, uh, I just don't know if anything will ever happen. But I'm kind of apathetic at this point that anything will happen. I'd be happy with a big, huge fine at this point because she'll never see the inside of a jail cell, in my opinion. I, you know, you might be right, and, and I think you're probably right. Uh, but I, I still think she should, and I, and I still think we need to try to at least let the public know what she did and get the truth out about what happened. And my thought is that this whole thing was a setup of, of Donald Trump, the dossier uh, concocted all of these uh, Russian connections, which was turned over to the FBI and led to the surveillance of the uh, Trump uh, campaign and uh, transition, which led to all the unmasking uh, requests, which then led to uh, the uh, special prosecutor being created. And now we're on the verge of tomorrow, indictments being uh, handed down. And 
you know, it's just, uh, to me, all connected. And I, I just don't think uh, it's fair the way Donald Trump has been treated and how Hillary, tr Hillary Clinton has gotten away with everything she's gotten away with. So I, I on, on my program and my columns, try to point out the double standard and uh, what is really going on. And, uh, and we certainly have a lot of healthy debate among our callers as to uh, you know, what is happening with this administration. I personally believe it's a breath of fresh air but uh, of course, not everyone agrees with me, and uh, we have a lot of strong debates about it. Well, what I would say is a breath of fresh air regarding Trump is that he's, he's willing, he actually has a pair. He's willing to take on the media and, and basically you know, give the middle finger to the Washington establishment in general, both politicians on both sides of the aisle as well as uh, the media, which no Republican since possibly Reagan and, and, and Ron Paul have have been willing to do, uh, to really just tell the truth. So that, in my opinion, is a breath of fresh air. I'm not a Trump guy. I'm a big critic. But at the same time, it is obvious, even to those my – friend, my friend Autry tells me, you know, there's a lot of people out there in the Republican Party who are itching to criticize Trump, but it's so obvious that he's being treated so unfairly most of the time with these just made-up stories. And you got Russian collusion actually happening with Hillary and Mueller and the Russians and, and so many other players and nothing, crickets from the media. So right. it's just amazing to me uh, that, that this double standard is going on. I'm not surprised, though. I'm like, like well, I'm like, I'm like you, Josh, and I don't uh, <clears throat> generally find myself always a fan of Mr. Trump, but, uh, I, and I am a Republican, but I do believe he gets an unfair shake. And uh, it's just amazing to me exactly what you just said, all of these Russian connections and stuff. And you don't hear anything about the Hillary side, which, uh, as your guest was just alluding to, probably started all of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's how it all started. And, and he was just set up. Uh, and. You know, he's pointed that out in tweets and comments, and he says it was a, a big witch hunt and said the Democrats were just using it as an excuse for their loss. And I think it's a little bit deeper than that. I think more than an excuse, uh, they've been using it as a way to bring him down and to, at the very least, uh, stop his agenda from being implemented. So they can, they can use it as an excuse. They can use it as a way to stop his agenda, and they can use it as a way to bring him down so they get three three great benefits from this. And, and they get the media on their side. And uh, it's a way to just continually bash him. And they've been doing it now, really, for nonstop uh, since the, the, the night of his election victory. I mean, it's been incredible. I mean, I've never, I mean, I've been following politics for decades. I've never, Reagan, no one had ever any of this kind of nonstop, constant negativity. So, I, that's what creates among us Trump supporters uh, more allegiance to Donald Trump in that we feel like we're the only ones that have his back, his uh, deplorables, his supporters, because he doesn't have the uh, media, he doesn't have the establishment, he doesn't have the deep state, he doesn't have the globalists, he doesn't have the never-Trumpers. I mean, it, he, it's really us and Trump, and that's it. I think that's a, I think that's a, a fair point. Uh, concerning everything that's going on. So my question is, what are the ramifications for, I mean, our, our political system in that we elected him fairly and squarely? I don't think the Russians tampered with the election results, 
but we're really witnessing an effort to try to negate the will of the people, the, the will of the electorate. And, and that's why I'm fighting to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think that's a fair yeah, point. I, mean, really, I, I think that's a fair, but I think that's a fair point as well. I mean that he he has a point, Josh. As much as you and I may take an issue with some of the things Trump does, uh, I I've never thought of it that way. But I think he has a fair point. That's they're trying to, no, to they're trying to make I, the will I, of the people you illegitimate. Know, as, as, you know. Oh, absolutely. Because they're 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 basically trying to establish a narrative, and this is something we've seen over and over again with. I will even say with Kennedy, with with Ron Paul, with Reagan, you know, there's a type of politician that the Washington establishment hates, and it's all four of those, even the Democrat, you know, even Kennedy, I think, in my opinion, because when you're a threat to the Washington establishment, you're a threat to the status quo, uh, it scares the crap out of them, and they, they're really grabbing for straws, and, you know, I, I don't want to put tinfoil hat on, but honestly, I wouldn't disagree with some of the revelations that have come out or accusations or thoughts this week with JFK uh, about, you know, LBJ and the establishment possibly having a hand in it. You know, it would not be outside of the realm of possibility if that came out to be factual at some point. So the, the establishment hates people that, that push against the status quo and go the opposite direction. Well, look, look at the uh, record. Uh, in 1963, we had Kennedy assassinated. Uh, another person who um, was a threat to the status quo, Martin Luther King Jr., was assassinated. Uh, George Wallace, a, a threat to the uh, status quo, he was uh, shot yep. and, uh, and paralyzed. Um, R.A. 81, another uh, threat to the establishment, he was uh, uh, shot, almost, uh, almost killed. So, I mean, I think there is a, a connection there. I think there is uh, a worry there about Trump's safety. And I, I can guarantee you, I've never heard of uh, any uh, politician uh, getting the kind of abuse that this president gets or threats to his life. I mean, like every day I'm seeing on Twitter somebody threatening him or some actress or idiot actor or somebody from the realm of uh, social media doing it. So. I, I hope he is well protected because I think he has uh, certainly been threatened uh, over and over again since he took office. Yeah, it's something that I see that's unpredict uh, unprecedented. I, I don't see direct uh, attribution from them, but I do see allusions to the okaying of violence against our president from Democrats, even from Democrats on the House floor, and calling for impeachment when they have nothing. They have no actual evidence you know when you impeach somebody in the house you have to actually do it conduct it like a trial and find as evidence but at the, at the moment all of this is just a search for political capital they're trying to see what sticks in the democrat party because they are desperate and they are so uh, divided right now um, they have and, and nothing the best that they can hope for <laughs> is that this will be political capital for them is is anything going to actually stick is anything going to happen is I still see a sweep in the Senate uh, come midterm elections. I still think we, we, we stay even or even pick up a few in the House as well. I don't, I don't see any of this resonating with the American people, especially passionate primary voters that come out in midterms. You know, Josh, that's a great question. Uh, I think um, that the Republicans have the advantage of only having to defend eight out of 33 seats, <laughs> which is uh, to their benefit. Um, I, I think uh, – 
I think they'll hold their own uh, in, the, in the Senate and maybe, maybe just because the numbers are so in their advantage, pick up a few. And then I think the House, uh, they might lose a few, but still retain uh, uh, control. So I think uh, the midterms will be uh, maybe the, the Republicans might gain a little in the Senate, Democrats might gain a little in the House. And I think the Republicans still come out of that in control. My big question is, will Steve Bannon be able to elect uh, some conservatives and, and take out some of these rhinos who have been really uh, thwarting the Trump agenda? And two of them now are already huh, out on their own, Bob Corker and Jeff Flake. So how many more of these that are uh, up for re-election next year will bow out? And how many will uh, actually be taken out by a Bannon candidate? And that's what I really am interested in, uh, in checking out. I know he said he's going to give Ted Cruz a pass. So Ted Cruz is not going to be facing a uh, conservative challenger. But uh, some of these others might. So I know uh, Kelly Ward uh, looks like she'll be the uh, nominee, uh, obviously, in Arizona, since Blake is gone. In, uh, in Nevada, you've got uh, Danny. Tarkanian, who I think is running ahead of uh, Dean Heller. So I, I think that's going to be another sort of interesting story as we, as we look to 2018. Yeah, I think, I think Bannon will definitely have a hand in it. But honestly, I wonder what your thoughts are about Trump kind of subliminally putting himself in and not really completely loyally uh, towing the party line as a president is supposed to. He's basically supposed to do whatever rights Priebus tells him to do, or, you know, the, the, the party, uh, you know, the firmament, you know, in Washington, D.C., they basically, you, you basically, you're supposed to support the incumbent, no matter who they are, no matter how horrible they are, you know, like the Orrin Hatch situation, and John McCain, and, and people like Jeff Flake, who have now bowed out. I've heard rumors that, you know, there may be somebody that the establishment is, McConnell may put somebody in that race to run against Kelly. Uh, I don't know if, if it's too late, but, you know, you, you never know whenever you can just throw millions of dollars in a candidate into a race. Do you think Trump is going to continue to play nice, or do you think he'll kind of very deftly insert language in there like he did with Luther Strange to undermine the rhino establishment candidates? You know, he, he backed Luther Strange, yet uh, all of his supporters backed uh, Roy Moore. <laughs> so uh, that was weird. Uh, it was like he was backing Luther Strange just because McConnell asked him to. I, I don't know, but exactly. Luther Strange never had a chance uh, because, uh, for one, he's got a weird name. I don't think anyone's right. going to get elected named Strange. <laughs> that, I, that just is weird. So uh, I think he had the name going against him. And then uh, Roy Moore is like an icon in Alabama. This is a guy who fought for the Ten Commandments and – guy who got himself thrown off the court because he, uh, he wouldn't uh, uh, take the Ten Commandments down, and he's been railing against uh, all kinds of uh, uh, sort of uh, liberal social issues for years. So I don't think uh, Strange was ever going to beat Roy Moore. And um, I, I think even with some of the baggage, I think Moore will get elected. So I think he'll be the next senator from Alabama. But I don't know. Trump's got sort of a difficult thing because he wants to get these Republicans to back his tax plan. He wants the Republicans in the Senate to back his agenda. Yet he he wants to satisfy his base who uh, don't like these uh, incumbents. So he's trying to walk a fine line between the two of them, I think, uh, guys. 
I don't know. I I would yeah. He have, in some of the language think, regarding the strange race. I I would tend to think that uh, him staying loyal to the base is probably a bigger issue than anything. And if he's actually staying out of some of these races by not backing the incumbents, I I think he's staying loyal to the base. And I think and I think the base will come out and end up electing people that will support his agenda. Right, right. By by staying out, he is in effect giving the green light for the base to throw out the the rhinos and Absolutely. to get out there and to and to support the uh, conservative challengers. So, I'll, I'll be interested to see what he does in some of these races that are going to be uh, brewing over the next few months. But uh, the Democrats have something to worry about because they've got a lot of senators up for uh, re-election in states that Donald Trump won going away, like for West Virginia. This guy, uh, Joe Manchin, has got to be worried because, I mean, he's a Democrat in West Virginia, and uh, the Republicans, I'm sure, are going to field a, a strong candidate to, to challenge him, and I would hope they could pick up that seat. Well, I, w- I thought Joe Manchin was going to end up uh, switching parties. At least that was the hope or talk for a while. I mean, yeah, that's he, really he, his he only sure strategy seems, to victory. I right. I, I, he, he sure seems to be more representative of Republican uh, ideals as opposed to Democrat lately, especially, especially with the Second Amendment. He had, a, he had a great chance to show his support for the Republican Party by voting for the uh, repeal and replace Obamacare bill, and uh, he stuck with the Democrats on that one. And uh, then, of course, we got uh, uh, double-crossed by John McCain, and right. uh, the bill lost by one vote. So I, I'll, I'll be interested to see what he does on tax reform. I, I would hope he'd, he'd vote for it. And, uh, and then I think the, uh, the, the Democrat from um, North Dakota, I think, might uh, also uh, vote for it as well. So maybe they'll pick up uh, two or three Democrat votes and, and give themselves a little bit of a margin so they won't have to worry about, you know, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and John McCain and these <laughs> – uh, you know, horrible rhino senators that they have. So I think, <clears throat> so the big picture, as you say, uh, pickups in the Senate, you think, right? I'm thinking they're going to pick up a few. I really do. That's okay. my analysis, just because the Democrats have to defend so many. I'd agree. Okay. Uh, and you think maybe a few loss in the House, but not enough to affect a majority. I think the Republicans still will m- maintain the majority in the House. They'll probably lose a few, just based on history. Right. The party in power normally does lose some seats in the midterm, and, and that's just normally what happens. All right, cool. I'm glad we talked uh, about that. I'd love to see some of the congressional leadership in the House lose. That's what I'm hoping to see. Wouldn't it be see nice, right? Opponents. Well, I know your, your man, uh, Autry, who I'm going to try to help over here, and I know uh, we're going to have him on uh, on our show more. He's got, uh, you know, a big challenge in front of him, but, but that's, that's great. We need more people like Autry running and, and challenging these uh, leaders who I think have really done a poor job. I wish uh, Mitch McConnell was up for re-election next year. Yeah, I do too, and I wish John Cornyn was as well, but we can't really find anybody to run against him. and. We really tried to pressure Louis Gohmert to run against him last time, and he just he just wouldn't. So it's been hard to find a real legit uh, challenger for Cornyn because 
you got all the corporate money, the country club money in Texas behind Cornyn. So he's not – I don't think it's to the point where it's an insurmountable, uh, you know, padding that he has. I think he's uh, legit vulnerable if we could find – What about uh, uh, the Senate governor there in, uh, in Texas? I'm not believing him. I'm really not believing that he's he's kind of another Abbott. I know? don't. He um, likes to talk tough, and he doesn't really get a whole lot done. Anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think after this last chases headlines. I, yeah, I think after this last legislative session, I think the uh, lieutenant governor probably fared a little less favorably than he did before. Do, would you say, Josh? I would. Yeah, well, he's kind of. Yeah, he's becoming exposed as a bit of a poser. Right. Like, like we we've, we've we've kind of had in a lot of our. Uh, in a lot of our statewide offices in Texas, these guys talk tough, but when it comes time to put, you know, the pedal to the metal uh, and actually do something, these guys just, they let people like Joe Strauss, you know, subvert their agenda, their legislative agenda. And then they come out, you know, like the Lieutenant governor did, he came out and did a press conference after the legislative session when he knew damn well that Strauss was going to basically torpedo every important plank that, that that is a part of the Republican Party of Texas uh, platform that we tried to push through. I mean, we didn't even get regular parliamentary order. We had a state rep on a while back who called parliamentaries and, uh, parliamentarians in other state legislatures and in Congress, and they were just like, their mind was blown away that this speaker was doing some of the things that he could do because you cannot parliamentarily do those things. But, but you're talking to speaker. You're, that that's the speaker of the house. That's not okay. The lieutenant governor. But here's Come my on. here's well here's but the here's, governor and the speaker are the two most powerful members right. of Texas politics right. constitutionally. And do you so think that's what I'm so, at. so? Give me a couple of examples where he was posing. I think they play off each other. Oh, you don't want me to go there, uh, uh, Stephen? Yeah, I do. Okay. Because this, the bathroom bill was. I think you're. Because I think you guys are full of shit. Okay, the bathroom <laughs> bill. Okay, the bathroom bill was nothing but political fodder, and I know hardcore Christian conservatives who would not back that bill. It was just lunacy. It did nothing. It did not prevent men and women's restrooms. It didn't do any of that, Stephen. It was nothing but a fundraising tool, and I would go as far as to what Josh is saying. I would say I wouldn't doubt those two guys were playing off of each other. Yeah, um, I wouldn't doubt it at all. Right. Uh, to where they knew Joe Strauss would torpedo it, and that was totally fine by them. Um, because it was a and, and, crappy okay, bill so to give me another with. example aside from the bathroom bill. I mean, my God, we've beaten that one to death. <laughs> well, give me another yeah, example. Didn't get a vote. Abortion didn't even get out of committee. Right. Abortion bills didn't get out of committee. Constitutional carry didn't get out of committee. None of yeah, these. Yeah, in the House. If we had regular order. In the House. In the House. Yeah, in the House. Not the look, Senate. The Senate got Congress through plays everything. the same game with the House passing stuff they know won't pass out of the Senate. Texas the Senate does the same thing, but the reverse order. The Senate done, pushes though. things out that they knew the House won't. Yeah, but it's just like the, the Obamacare bill that we passed 47 times last Congress. They knew damn well the Senate wasn't going to pass it. It's a game. These guys are playing chess, not checkers. That's the point I'm trying to make. I, I understand that he's the constitutional leader of the Senate, the lieutenant governor is. I understand that. Uh, I understand that the speaker is probably more powerful than him constitutionally as the leader of the House. But what I'm telling you is these guys are playing a game where they're getting headlines. I'm sure that even even Strauss ducking out and saying he's going to retire this week from 
being a state rep, it was also part of this game, part of the, the timeline that they probably sat down and agreed upon. So uh, I then, just, you, I don't... then you must be also telling me that all the uh, no-confidence measures that carried across all those counties was just a game. I don't think no, that was I a game. That, I think that I was the grassroots. I think no. that sent a message more loud and clearly to anybody in this state, especially those that decide not to support the Texas Republican Party platform, that if you don't support the platform, then get the hell out. I, I, look, I'm with you right there. Our party, the Orange County Republican Party, was the last one to do the, the no-confidence vote right the day before he stepped down. I do not think the people who control the individual county parties are playing games. I think the politicians who are elected to do what we want them to do are playing games with us. I don't think the parties are playing games, these county parties. I think that was legit. That was grassroots. That was organic. I think what these guys, Abbott and, and, and the lieutenant governor and Strauss are doing, it's all organized. I think they all work together to make sure nothing gets done so they can just do what? What, what is the number one thing politicians all want at the end of the day? To get reelected or to go to their next office that they're going to run for. Strauss even alluded that he wants to serve Texas in some way because, you know, he loves Texas so much. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, he's I, I not going to see the light of day after this one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even see that dude running for right? Senate, Lieutenant Governor, or Railroad Commissioner. I don't see him getting reelected. I don't know what he anyway. would run for, yeah. Anyway, we've totally sidetracked yeah, Jeff on that saying. one. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Sorry. Jeff is over and there no, in the watching him, and he's just kind of I, rolling his eyes going, oh, God, what are we getting into I, now? I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed listening to it. Uh, one thing I, I hope you're not going to tell me is that uh, George P. Bush – uh, he's not going to be uh, uh, elected to statewide office, is he? I would hope not. He's, oh, all, God. he's already the he's land a, commissioner, so he's, he's technically a, he's technically he's already trying to bastardize state the Alamo right now, and there's, he's getting a lot of opposition from yeah, him. Yeah, he's growing swell he's, against him because Florida yeah. Trust Fund Boy is not appreciated for trying to d tear down and make our Alamo, our most sacred monument in Texas, a freaking Disneyland, he's, which is what he, he wants. He's fighting back, though, on that, Josh. They were in Liberty County doing a presentation a couple of weeks ago. So now Bush's office is sending people out to seriously discuss this Alamo issue and how they're, mm -hmm. they're being treated unfairly. Uh, so uh, they are coming out and fighting that now, but I don't think uh, regular... Typical establishment. Sure, but... have to come out and tell you why you're wrong right. and we're right and right. you need to do what the hell we tell you to do. But I don't think... I'm uh... so tired of the Bushes. I mean, <laughs> right? so Me too. tired of the Bushes. Yeah, I call them, I, yeah, I I call them the uh, Kennedys of the Republican Party. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And unfortunately, I think the love of the Bushes in this state is not over. And that's sad because I'm, I'm not a fan either. But uh, I, I think George will be heard from again. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, little Jorjito, yeah. the trust fund kid from Florida, I think is he has his eyes set on either governor or senate. I and uh, I would not doubt it. He's not going to challenge Cornyn, and it would be way too uh, – way too much hubris for him to jump in against Cruz this time. So, uh, you know, he's part of the power structure, so he's not going to oppose Abbott. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what his next play is. He'll probably serve one to two terms, and then he'll he'll jump onto the stage and do something else because, the, the you know, I don't care. This is going to offend some people, but these Republicans, they don't care about principles and what people vote 
vote for, these party Republicans, these country clubbers. All they see is the guy's name is Bush, and he has a tan, so we have to vote for him because diversity or something. So <laughs> right. it's stupid. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like Democrats all over again. You know, it's like, what the heck are we doing? If the guy was like Ted Cruz or Ron Paul, I'd say, yeah, let's vote this guy in. But he's a Bush. He's a globalist. Right. He's an opportunist. All he's going to do is seek power for power's sake. That's all he cares about. I think I think W and his grandfather, you know, respected the office of the White House. They respected the position, especially H.W. You know, he wasn't the warmonger I thought he would be that his son kind of became. Uh, so I'll give them props there. But I don't want any more Bushes. I sure don't. I didn't want Jeb and neither did America. And little Jorjito, I, I don't know he, what he's going to do. But, you know, he even ran when he was exploring. He said, we don't know what we're going to run for, but we're going to run for something because, you know, and, and this is in parentheses, but, you know, because I'm a Bush and you have to right. vote for me because it's it's this noblesse oblige, you know, uh, entitlement. It's just disgusting. It makes me sick. Well, that's what I'm sort of looking out for down the road. I, I see them grooming him for, for something, for statewide, uh, a bigger statewide office or uh, – down the road, I'm sorry. I mean, you might think this is crazy, but down the road to run for president, sure. I mean, absolutely. He's got the uh, the connections to two populous states. He's uh, uh, minority, you know, bilingual. I mean, he's got the name and the looks, and I mean, of course, I mean, they're, they're definitely grooming him for that. So if we can uh, stop him at the state level, that'll prevent uh, prevent him from becoming a, a national threat. And and I just think. Uh, the Bushes have had their day. I think it's time for the Republican Party to, you know, turn the page, move on. And I think we're, we're you know, we're, we're getting that message across, but uh, we still have him out there. So I'm just keeping an eye on him because I, I, I see that as uh, something the establishment hopes for is maybe uh, something down the road. I don't know how much further down the road, quite a bit further, but I, I see them looking to him as uh, maybe their establishment uh, presidential hope. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah, he, I'm, I'm hoping this Alamo thing will be. Here I was just about to say that. And messaging that this will this will all come out sparkly clean like always. You know, with the bushes, well, they, they can buy their way out of anything. I'm hoping the Alamo is 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 says Archelius Hill, but we'll see. He is fighting back. Just I, I saw that firsthand. <laughs> so so speaking of higher office and and people, I'm hearing Jeff Landry. I'm hearing John Kennedy. Uh, I've heard uh, one other guy that might, you know, our, our current m majority whip uh, who might be running against your current Democrat governor next time. Jeff, uh, can you put anything to those rumors as to who might maybe uh, replace yeah. the governor? Well, we've, we've got this liberal governor, uh, John Bell Edwards, who is sort of the accidental governor. He got elected because he had the good fortune of running against David Vitter uh, in a runoff and could exploit David Vitter's uh, calls to the prostitution ring and, and just slammed him on that. And, and that really just sort of destroyed David Vitter. But I think uh, he's vulnerable because he's out of step really with the state. Uh, he's a typical big uh, uh, tax and spend Democrat. And I think Kennedy is our strongest candidate. I mean, Kennedy is um, someone who's really always wanted to be governor. He's a senator now, but his real desire is governor. And uh, he's kept his name out there, obviously, uh, got elected to the Senate handily. And 
he's going to, I think, lay the groundwork. And it's a free shot for Kennedy. He doesn't have to give up his Senate seat. So I would say he'll do it. Uh, that would be my guess, that, that he'll run for, uh, for governor. Um, yeah, he might I have might have some opposition, Billy Nungesser, Lieutenant Governor, Jeff Landry, Attorney General. But uh, I would say Kennedy would probably be my my bet if I had to place a bet on who would who would run. Take him yeah, on. Yeah, I think the good money is on him as well. I'd rather have Jeff. I got to get I got to be friendly with him whenever I was working in Congress on Capitol Hill. And he's more along the lines of what I believe politically. But as far as the strongest candidate, as far as who can win. Uh, I will say something. I, I interviewed him whenever I was trying to be a journalist when I was in college. I interviewed uh, jo John Kennedy back whenever he was the treasurer of the state of Louisiana, and he was running. I think he ran for governor, then Senate, and then he ran for Senate again and won. I'm trying to remember the order of, of – he ran for like three different things. But um, anyway. ran for, uh, He ran for attorney general, and he lost. Uh -huh. He ran for uh, treasurer and he won. He ran for Senate uh, twice and he lost. And then finally, on the third time running for Senate, he won. Yeah, he's, you know, I will say something about him. He's not necessarily conservative by my, you know, my doctrine or my specifications. But I'll tell you this, John Kennedy works hard. That man, he's always, you know, friendly to everyone. He's talking to everybody. He's on the phone raising money. The guy's like a machine. Uh, he's a very hard worker, and if, if anybody gets it and can do something, I think it's it's going to be him. I just hope he doesn't, you know, basically take the vacancy of the office again like Jindal did. And I hope he actually gets in there and stirs things up and actually tries to do things like, right. uh, you know, getting rid of some of the bureaucracy and the state income tax in Louisiana because then y'all will finally be able to compete with Texas and y'all maybe will stop bleeding so many jobs and, and people to us every year whenever each college class graduates because uh, I see that a lot with a lot of my friends from Louisiana. I'm like, hey, man, I love Louisiana too. I was born there, grew up in Broussard, but, man, there's no place like Texas right now. Louisiana – I love you, man. I love you, Jeff. But uh, they're kind of stuck on stupid politically uh, whenever it comes well, to the I mean, policies yeah. and the we, laws that are legislated. We, we have a um, lot of things that, that, that are real good for uh, uh, pro-reform governor could do, like a Kennedy. I mean, if he could get in there, he's been preaching it for years uh, on my show and uh, on other programs. So that's where his heart is. I mean, I think he's enjoying being a senator and enjoying voting on Neil Gorsuch and talking to these people uh, from his position on these committees. But, I mean, I think his real desire is to uh, shake up state government and implement some of these ideas that he's been talking about for years. So I think that's what he's going to do. And, and I think he could really help the state. So we'll see. Uh, he, um, he hasn't really said yay or nay, but uh, I, would, I would predict he'll do it. Uh, and if not, then uh, I think Jeff Landry would be a strong, strong candidate because I know he's a, uh, a definite uh, doctrinaire, conservative, principled guy who uh, I think would be uh, a very good governor as well. So that's pretty much the rumor I've heard, too. And I'm hearing that the logical musical chairs that make sense is that Scalise moves, uses his current, I hate to say it, this, this be be this uh, direct, but you know he uses his current political capital and name ID from what 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 occurred recently to move into the Senate after that. Any thoughts on that? 
Well, that's an idea, although, you know, he's number three in the, uh, in the house. I mean, theoretically, yeah. you could think that, that maybe he'll just uh, stay there and, and continue moving up the ladder there in the house. But let's say if Kennedy gets elected, uh, gets elected governor, then you have that opening in the Senate. Then maybe some of these other guys might look at that, like Jeff Landry, like Billy Nungesser. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, you got a lot of people with uh, ambitions for statewide office. Scalise um, has this uh, unique opportunity to do whatever he wants to do because there's so much sympathy for him. Yep. And of course, uh, I think he handled it so well. And, yeah, he did. Uh, and very classic. Really, really. Um, I think uh, did a great job in, in how he, uh, you know, addressed the media and addressed his colleagues and has handled all the pressure. So, yeah, I think he could write his own ticket as to what he wants to do. I really do. Yeah, when I was in Congress, from everything I heard from his staff and, and other colleagues is that he basically, he was kind of like Eric Cantor. He has his eyes on the speaker. Um, so, but, so I don't know which one is a bigger stage for him being the speaker or, or or being a senator, one of 50. I, I would say being a, the speaker is definitely that. Uh, it'd be nice definitely. to have a, a southern <laughs> speaker. Yeah, of course. It'd be nice to have a southern speaker again, you know, and then you're in the, you're in the presidential uh, line of su succession um, as speaker of the House as well. So that's something to think but about. The so other that, I put my money that, on that. Uh, that Paul Ryan is a relatively young guy, and, um, you know, he could be there a long time. Who knows? I mean, so... Uh, that might be I something not, where... Yeah, I hope there. not either. <laughs> I know. Where where Scalise might have to wait a while if, if that's what he wants to do. But we'll see. He's got a lot of options, and um, I'm just glad he's uh, on the road to recovery. Well, I remember whenever he got elected to Majority Whip, he had a really good organization, and he had a, did a really good job of getting elected. And our hope was that he would be our conservative voice in the leadership and the same thing happened to him that always happens to everyone that goes into leadership is um, besides I would say the possible exception is Newt Gingrich uh, they get up there and then they just basically check off the the boxes that the US Chamber of Commerce sends them and they ignore grassroots legislation conservative small government legislation and they just they basically vote you know rubber stamp the the, the big government agenda so I, I would love to think that he would be a diet uh, Paul Ryan, John Boehner, because they're basically the same thing, in my opinion. But uh, I also don't have any illusions after seeing how things work up there on Capitol Hill that he would be, you know, another Newt Gingrich, which I, I can't even think of another Speaker of the House in my lifetime, at least, that has been both effective and fairly conservative. Um, I don't know about what you think, if you think that's no, possible. No, no, there's been nobody. <laughs> there's nobody since Newt Gingrich. I mean, Danny Hastert was, uh, was a joke. And um, obviously, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and John like Boehner. little boys too. So there's that. John Boehner was a joke, to and add that. Uh, Paul Ryan's <laughs> been been horrible. So yeah, I mean, Newt Gingrich stands alone as far as uh, effective conservative speakers. Yeah. So um, tell us about your book, um, uh, and, and let us know, you know, where people can find that and. I know we can find all your information, your YouTube channel, your your uh, podcasts, and your book on jeffcruer.com. But let us know a little bit about your book, America's Last Chance. Yeah, thanks, uh, Josh. Yeah, I wrote it um, as a frustrated conservative, as uh, someone who's been uh, in the fight for 
really all my life. I mean, I started uh, volunteering for political campaigns when I was 12 and uh, went to uh, Vanderbilt and was involved with the College of Republicans and came back to New Orleans and uh, got involved with the Greater New Orleans Republicans and became president of that group. I ran for office. I challenged a guy named Mitch Landrew for a state representative, <laughs> like an idealistic young conservative, Mitchie. thinking I could could beat the the machine. And um, I think we scared him a little bit. We gave him a good race, but of course he won in liberal uptown New Orleans. And uh, then I parlayed that into a position with the state party and got to be um, executive director and deputy chairman. And then. Um, started my career in radio and I've been uh, active uh, all these years uh, on the air, but also in the, in the party and just been so frustrated at all the broken promises and all of the uh, Republicans that get elected and turn their backs on the people that helped them get there and all the promises they made. So I saw 2016 as our really last chance for the country, for the party, uh, for America to really uh, turn itself around and Donald Trump, for all his flaws, was a uh, candidate of change and of uh, independence from the beltway and the swamp and the establishment and, uh, and really a voice of the people. So the book talks about what's been going on in the party in the past years and what led up to Trump and the Trump phenomenon. And I was really there ringside uh, because I was uh, state, state co-chair of his campaign and a delegate and went to the convention, went to the inauguration, and uh, just got, you know, went to many of his rallies, just got very involved and had a chance to meet him. So I just uh, was a big supporter. And um, I think it uh, so far so good as far as what he's done. But of course, uh, without a Congress, without uh, the legislation passing, I mean, it really is incomplete. So uh, part one was done by getting Donald Trump elected, but the, the important thing now is getting the agenda through. So that's why the fight continues. And that's why I think the book, America's Last Chance, is still very relevant today. So uh, people can uh, get it at my website, uh, jeffcareer.com, also at amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com, uh, and also uh, locally in the New Orleans area at uh, all the Barnes & Noble locations. Hey, are you on Kindle? Please tell me you're on Kindle. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, I am. thank yes. goodness. That's the only way I can yeah. read stuff nowadays. <laughs> I, uh, I I was advised to do that, so I did. Yes. Good. <laughs> so, do you think there's a way where Trump can outmaneuver the party and use his bully pulpit to basically elect his Congress that he wants? I know we kind of touched on this earlier. But, you know, it's tradition that you basically back the incumbent. Um, I'm just wondering, <coughs> will Trump be able to get the Congress he needs? Because right now the Congress he needs is, is basically opposing him at every turn. Uh, are we going to see any changes, or do you think he's just going to go along to get along and well, wait until the second term to really raise hell? Yeah, that's what I think he's, uh, he's doing right now. I mean, he's trying to work with them to see if he can get this tax bill passed. So he's trying to... He's playing a good cop right now, but I think he'll definitely play bad cop if uh, if he gets uh, Congress uh, not going along with this tax bill. I mean, so I think he's uh, he's waiting to see uh, before he explodes on them. I mean, I think he's still angry about the health care bill not passing. 
I think he still hopes that they're going to be able to bring that back up. Uh, but I think his goal is to try to get the tax bill passed before the end of the year. And I think they got a shot to do it. So I think he's holding off right now uh, and, uh, and trying to be nice. But uh, he's taking on some of the individual senators that I think have, have crossed him, like uh, Corker and Flake. But he's trying to play nice with uh, Ryan and McConnell because, um, you know, he needs them to get this tax bill passed. I think he really understands the importance that he's got to have some legislative victories. Uh, the big, uh, of course, cloud hanging over him is this Mueller investigation, this whole uh, witch hunt, uh, which is uh, just, uh, I think, just so tragic. And it, uh, he's got to take up a lot of time and effort and resources and attention dealing with that. It takes him away from the people's business, what he was elected to do, what the American people uh, said they wanted. So, and that's what they, they, they were trying to do by this whole thing, and they accomplished it. So uh, it, it, he's got so many challenges on so many different levels. Again, it's unprecedented. So uh, I'm hoping that we can get the tax bill passed and that uh, the truth comes out about this whole Russian thing. I, I think it has been a witch hunt. It has been fake news. And uh, right now the media is running with it because the indictment's, you know, coming out. But I, I hope it will be uh, eventually uh, revealed what it was all about. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think he only gets to play bad cop in his second term and try to remake Congress in his own image and his cabinet in his own image and finally get all of the, the rights Priebus and, and RNC types out of his administration and hopefully the bureaucracy as well. So. We'll see what happens, but uh, that's the, I think that's his only play. Play nice, blame Congress for not getting anything done, and then hang them out to dry um, after you get reelected. So I, I don't know. I don't see any of this uh, any of this really getting passed, from what I can tell right now. But you know, I'm not I'm not an expert. I only can go by what I've seen so far. So, um, so Jeff, Josh, and, you don't you don't think you don't think the tax bill will, will get through? <laughs> from what I'm hearing. Uh, from folks on Capitol Hill is that Ryan went to Brady and the Appropes people and the other, I think they call it the, 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 the gang of five or something. I can't remember what they called him. Basically the people writing the tax bill. And he was told that he couldn't get that. He couldn't get it passed, which is why they moved to ACA. And they got a version of ACA repeal out of the House, but they knew it wouldn't pass the Senate. And of course, here we are. So they've shifted and they haven't been able to get anything done. So if they couldn't get it done first thing off the bat, I thought tax reform was low-hanging fruit, and it was the logical option of what we could get done. Um, so if we couldn't get it done right out of the gate because it was the easiest thing, I don't know if we're going to be able to get it done. Everything is done in secret right now, um, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to be what the American people want. A lot of middle-class folks are going to see tax increases or they're going to see tax shifting, where uh, it's, it's going to be paraded around and sold as a tax cut. Um, the, on, the only good thing I see that may be a net gain for us is the corporate tax, income tax cut, and hopefully a reinversion of some of these businesses, cap capturing them back to American shores from China and Hong Kong and Mexico and other places like that. But we got to pass Well, that, that would be huge. I mean, uh, becoming competitive again as far as the corporate tax rate would be, would be massive and would have a lot of benefits for the country. But uh, as far as individual rates, we're going to have to see some massive cuts, and people are going to have to see relief. And if there's no relief, then uh, no use doing it. 
there yep. could be, of course, uh, what, what Reagan did in 86, cut the rates tremendously, but also you lose a lot of the deductions. But it's still a net gain for you. But uh, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I'm hearing that maybe the uh, top uh, rate will not come down much, if at all. Uh, yeah, I was. But, I was. Uh, I think the the Fed chairman is going to be the wild card in all of this. It could be a non-legislative win for us if, if uh, if if rates go, interest rates go up a little bit, where people can save again and, and invest in businesses and actually make some money. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, okay. I don't know if the economy can take it at this moment. I really have no idea um, if we could even go up to a percentage and a half or two two point three percent or whatever. You know, even a small bump like that, I don't know if, if it would be too much of a, a shock to the economy to do such a thing. I mean, we got all this cheap money for a reason um, because, you know, everything is so volatile. Even the stock market moves, they're not based. The stock market is, is trading at phenomenal levels, but it's all just based on news and rhetoric. There haven't been any actual changes or reforms or any substantive cuts. In, in spending our budgets or, or taxes. So I'm not, right. I'm not certain that, that anything is going to last. You know, you can only trade on good news for so long uh, before we, we kind of come out to even. So, you know, the president can be positive all he wants and God bless him, I'm glad he is. I'm glad we're seeing a good uptick in the, in the Dow Jones and NASDAQ. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't know if everything's just gonna come back to that, you know, eight to 12% where everything always, you know, stands with a lot of investments and mutual funds and things like that, as far as the stock market's involved, unless we have real change. And that's going to take tax reform, actual tax reform. And the Senate's going to continue to stand in the way, even if the House does find a way to get it well, out. Well, my worry, if we don't deliver on tax reform, then it could have a negative impact on the market. I mean, I think the market's uh, rise, a lot of that is built up on expectation, expectation. that we're going to have yep. tax reform. And, um, and then when we rates. don't, you're going to see a big downtick. <laughs> it's going yeah. to be. That's why, that's why they've got to deliver. So we'll, you know, we'll see. I, I'm a little more optimistic than you are, but uh, again, I, I don't, I don't trust any of these swamp creatures. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, Precisely. They, they might... I think it's a good political yeah. moment for political capital for the president to come out swinging his bat and using his bully pulpit to blame Congress and hang them out to dry. Now, how much, Will that come back and hurt him whenever it comes to him passing legislation in the future? Or, you know, yeah. maybe he'll just kind of be like me at some point and say, look, screw it. You guys suck and you're not going to do anything. And I see it. I see you for who you are. You're a bunch of swamp creatures who love the status quo. Well, so, I think you know, you're get to come that out point, fighting. John. He'll get to that point if they don't deliver on tax reform. And I think he'll do exactly that. I agree. Against Congress. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If he can't get the tax reform out, you'll probably see that. Yeah, he should make some head, heads roll if, if they don't get tax reform done, and, and rightfully so. I have no qualms. I have no sympathy for anybody who loses their seat for voting stupid, for voting against the people. Because most people, both Democrats and Republicans, do want some form of tax reform. Uh, the, the people who you see talking on the public stage in the Democrat Party, don't even rec they don't even represent most of their people who want to see taxes come down a little bit. They want to see job creation. They want to see opportunities for investment. There's a lot of rich white leftists who play this game in the media, but at the end of the day, believe me, they want a good playing field when it comes to investment and job creation in America, of just course. like all of us greedy, evil Republicans. <laughs> I couldn't hear here. Yeah. 
I couldn't agree more, Josh. Uh, Stephen, do you have anything before we wrap up? <coughs> Excuse me. No, I don't. Stephen, I hope you still love me, man. I know you, you wanted to fight. Yeah, you wanted to fight over okay, that Patrick man. thing, but that's okay. That's okay. No, it's good. Uh, that's I, okay. I didn't. I really tried to stay on topic this week. Last week, I kind of went off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, look, Josh, I, I'm glad you brought J uh, Jeff on, and I, uh, you know, I always like to have my uh, Louisiana people on. They're, they're the most entertaining. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Jeff. We appreciate it, man. Hey, you want to leave I, us with anything? Well, I mean, I just want to thank you guys, and it's been a pleasure, and it's been a lot of fun discussing all these things, and, and I think we're living in a very exciting time politically. Uh, the, the thing about it, whether you hate or love what's going on, I, I've never seen a time when people are more interested in politics and when it dominates uh, as much of the uh, conversation uh, uh, anywhere you go. So it's just... Um, I think a fascinating time to cover it, and uh, I'm enjoying it from from my perspective, doing what I'm doing. And listen, I always appreciate these opportunities. So uh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, You're thank you for coming on. Absolutely, I, I I think the curtain has been pulled back, and the grassroots is starting to see just how like Oz Washington D.C. is. And um, like my friend M. Stanton Evans said, you know, the grassroots is America, and Washington D.C. is is Oz. And uh, I'm glad people are beginning to wake up. It's a good thing for all of us, I think. And they are. I think they. I think more are waking up every day, which is definitely good. All right, man. Thank you, guys.